We're turning a corner in the Pauline letters this week. And if you've been with us during the summer, we walked and preached and taught through Galatians and through Colossians. And now we're turning a corner to a group of writings called the Pastorals. This is Paul encouraging and guiding young leaders in the church with more seasoned and mature writing. This is the here's how the God-bearing life ought to work out in your faith communities type of letters. And if Paul was martyred in approximately 67 CE, then he was probably writing these letters around 65 CE. After his prison letters, he's released from prison, he's able to do a little more ministry, church work, and then ultimately meets his untimely death under the sword of Nero and the Roman Empire. But his themes and his revelations are still um, exciting and and broad broad speaking. Uh, Paul is having his mind blown by new creation. Jesus has come. New creation. God is making all things new. He's turning lives and economies upside down. Love has come to the world in the way of weakness and meekness but it's a power that transforms lives. It changes communities. It empowers this fledgling early church to shake its fist at oppressive empire. When Frederick Buechner talks about Paul as a fool for Christ, he writes, whenever Paul had 10 minutes to spare, he wrote letters. He bullied, he coaxed, he comforted, he cursed, he bared his soul, He reminisced, he complained, he theologized, he inspired, he exulted. He was punch drunk and Christ drunk, and he kept in touch with everybody. Punch drunk and Christ drunk, great images for us to consider as Christ followers. And the tone of 1 Timothy is Paul reminiscing and exulting and probably coaxing and a wee bit of cursing. He's amped up. Because he's heard that in Timothy's network of churches, there's injustice and power moves being made. The elite and the rich Christians are lording their power and clout over the poorer Christians. And though Paul doesn't name specifics here, he hints that the influencers are making new rules for Christian believers. New rules of Christian behavior. And Paul writes that these influencers occupy themselves with myths, endless genealogies, and have turned to meaningless talk. I'm going to give us a couple of ponder points this morning, and this is the first one. Are you or me or we occupied by mythical meanderings or meaningless talk? Um, I think for Paul, when he was thinking of this Timothy church network, he's hearing about rule-making and boundary-keeping versus the grace and generosity of God. Where are we at these days, and, and what kind of conversations are we cultivating with friends and neighbors or fellow Christians? Meaningful, life-giving life talk, or meaningless Uh, talk that kind of sucks the life and air out of the room. Just a ponder point for you this morning. Meaningful, 
or meaningless. I, I hope we're involved in fruitful talk in these days. If you've uh, noticed in the bulletin or news and notes over the past couple of weeks, we are doing a restorative faith conference in October, and we've invited Brad Jursak and Kevin Miller to come. And what I've loved about Brad Jursak recently in his writing and speaking is he's talking about Christ's unique incarnation and God's all-inclusive love. Uh, if you go online and try to find his newest book, it's called In incarnation and inclusion, Abba and the Lamb. And he's talking about Christ being this unique face of God, but also at the same time this radically inclusive, generous heart of God. And we talk about that here at First Baptist, trying to be strong but generous Christians. And um, I've spent probably the past decades letting go of unfruitful talk that made me be kind of the rule keeper or the decider of who was in or who was out in terms of Christian community or um, Christian theology. Maybe you've thought about those people that maybe at certain times in your life where you decided, well, they're going to hell. Or you decided, oh, they're going to heaven. And you had your certain rules or boundaries for kind of figuring that out. I've, I've been trying to let that go over the past 10 years and trying to let God be the one who is the decider versus me. So that in my faith conversations with friends or family or neighbors, it's not about getting people in or deciding whether they're too far out of God's grace or love, but instead occupying my heart and my mind and imagination with this more Christ-like way, this more generous heart of God. Uh, Brad Jersak calls it a more beautiful gospel. And that might be something for us to think about. How beautiful is our gospel that we're sharing or living or reflecting on in these days? So it's quite clear that Timothy wasn't wrangling with matters of heaven or hell in his church, but there were matters of privilege, of those deciding who's in and who's out, it was kind of the right forms and functions of worship and what boundaries should we keep or what boundaries are being crossed. And so Paul responds and has this mentoring letter to Timothy. And the first part of his letter in chapter 1 is him testifying about his own life. He starts by writing of gratitude and grace. And Paul says that if I can make it in to the reign and the love of God than anyone can. He writes, I'm grateful to Jesus Christ. He judged me faithful, appointed me for service, even though I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, a man of violence. I acted ignorantly in unbelief, and the grace of the Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. That's our life verse for September. The grace of our Lord overflowed for me. Maybe you already have a life verse for September, but I'm suggesting this one. Can we say it together? The grace of our Lord overflowed for me. The grace of our Lord overflowed for me. 
And I want you to stop for a second ponder point here because it's been a busy September. And have you had a chance to think or give gratitude for the grace of our Lord that has overflowed for you? So 30 seconds. Can you just breathe and think about the grace of our Lord that has overflowed to you and me? Here's a great grace prayer as we're continuing to imagine God's grace. God, my refuge, help me to get my preposition straight. I'm not saved by faith. That's the work of your grace. But through faith. Increase my faith. Increase our faith. So that we can embrace more and more of Christ's new life. Experiencing his grace in us so that we might become Christ's handiwork. Through Jesus our Lord. Amen. We're not going to stop there, because what I want to say on Back to Church Sunday is that there is stuff for us to do, too. As we think about gratitude and grace, a community that's shaped by grace can't help but put God's grace and Christ's life on display. And so that's what we get to do together, a new people of God. As September rolls in and rolls out, we get to put Christ's life on display. And that's what Paul exclaims here. He says, put Christ's life on display as I have done. Teach believers with your lives, by word, by demeanor, by love, by faith. Cultivate character. Just keep at it. Further on in chapter 2, he says, For this end we toil and struggle because we have our hope set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people. So on Back to Church Sunday, whether you've been coming back for 50 minutes or you've only been here, or if you've been here for 50 years, the good news is that this is a church community that seeks to be shaped by grace. The grace of our Lord overflowing for us. So as we close, I hope that grace and gratitude pushes you to doxology. Because that's how Paul ends his text today. And we sing a doxology every Sunday, praise God, from whom all blessings flow. But let's close with this one. We lift our hearts to the King of ages, to the immortal and visible only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen.